0: This is MS of Torah. It's not just a podcast, it's an in-depth analysis of the fundamentals of Tara, presenting the truth as seen through the eyes of the Torah. Don't forget to follow the podcast, visit our website at msofty.com and join patreon. Exclusive content. What do we do about the question of evil in the world? Is the fact that there's evil in the world a challenge to the existence of Hashem? Now, the truth is, we're going to discuss a lot about this idea about evil, Hashem doing evil, not doing evil. Before we even get there, I just want to point out that the real objections mainly come from this line of thinking. The real objections against the existence of Hashem come from this idea of the fact that there's evil in the world. How could a good God do evil if he really is a good God? If he's really there, where do all the evil come from? I say this because although there are objections that we dealt with in terms of understand, in terms of the creation, cre- uh, the creation and God as a creator, whether the world is clearly shows and testifies to create or not. The truth is really, that's not really where a lot of the questions, I would probably say most, a good majority of the questions about the existence of God come from. They really come from this aspect of, of God is doing evil in the world, if there is evil in the world, and so on and so forth. So. Let's just take let's take this quote. I want to take this quote. This is said by a person from two thousand years ago, a Greek philosopher, I believe, his name was, if he was Epicurus, um, and he said this quote. And and with this, we'll we'll start this discussion. But we'll see also that where the questions come from. So the quote is as follows: Is God willing to prevent evil, but not able? Then he is not omnipotent. Is he able? but not willing, then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? So that was the quote. Now just saying, to make it clear, what are we going to say about Hashem? Is Hashem, does he want to stop evil, but he's not able? Then obviously you're saying a limitation in Hashem. Is he able, but not willing? Then it seems to be just, he himself is evil if he if he's wants other people to suffer. Is he both able and willing? Well, then that that would say that there's another power out there, something obviously Judaism does not believe in. And is he neither able nor willing? Then why is he God at all? all? That's the question that Epicurus is presenting in this way. And in one way or another, this is the question that many, many people ask, is how to explain bad evil in the world if there's a almighty, all-powerful, supposedly good God in the world. Again, you'll see this question in many different variations. I'm just going to deal with it as is now because it's very succinct the way it was put here. So we're going to talk about this question. And I'm bringing it here in this topic because this is, again, the, the number one challenge that I've seen about the existence of God is this point. If you really press somebody about the creation, I think if you were to divorce all the morality from the discussion. In other words, let's say you were divorced this question about evil in the world, divorce people's perceptions about how the Torah is not moral, and so on, and how religion is bad. If you divorce all that, you put that all aside, and you simply ask a person, does it make sense that there is a creator of the world? We, we talk about God as creator. If you remember when we started this, we, we discussed we're, we're coming to prove God as creator, not as lawgiver, not as the moral arbiter of the world, but as a creator. So, if you just press people and ask them, what do you think about the fact that there could be a creator? Forget about his laws, forget about everything else. I think my, my impression is that people would be pretty much okay with it. Now, we're not, it's not a popularity contest. We're not happy because we got people to be okay with it. But the point is that m- th- those two things get conflated because people don't like the, their morality of the world. They, they think the world is there's evil in the world, and so they question God for there. Therefore, it also spills into the question about a creator, and they also have that. And this is not everybody, but there's a lot of people. And I think a lot of people would be easier to hear the the pro-God argument if it was just divorce at this point. But my point for now is that this is the main point, that this main point is is what they bring up all the time. But people, atheists or, or the like, bring up all the time is this idea of how could there be evil in the world. So we're going to deal with this quote again. Is Hashem able to prevent? Is, is he willing, but not able? Then he's not all powerful. Is he able, but not willing? Then he's, then he's mean. Is he both able and willing? Then that means that evil comes from somewhere else, a different source. And if he's neither able nor willing, then he's not, not Hashem at all. So this is the question. How do we deal with this? How are we going to deal with this particular point? This, this philosophical point that epicurus is putting how are we going to respond to this so the truth is the main first way and really the main way to respond is is really undercutting the whole argument so he's assuming something already when he presents the way when he presents things the way he presents things now he's assuming that there is a concept of evil in the world and having a, also is assuming a definition already of evil if he's using the word evil which many people do, then that's already assumed that you understand what you're using. So I think the first point is to, and this is going to be the main point, is really let's define what evil means. Let's don't just use words, don't just hide behind words to sound intellectual, to sound intellectually honest, or to sound persuasive. Let's let's understand what do you mean when you say, when you're asking about evil in the world. You're saying, is Hashem willing to prevent evil but not able? What does evil mean? What is your definition? What is the idea we're discussing when we want to discuss this idea? So let's strip the term evil for a second and let's describe it. Use different words other than evil to describe the word because you can never define the word with the word. It's obviously circular. So what is the definition of evil that we're looking for that we have to address? If you want to address something, present something. So don't just present evil because that's a vague term as we're going to see. There's going to be at least three definitions. I think really three, but maybe more. But in its source, in its roots, I think there's three definitions you could possibly mean when you're saying the word evil. So what do you mean? Again, if you ever get in this conversation with somebody, ask them simply, what do you mean by evil? Then we could have a discussion. So what is the definition of evil? Now for the definition of good, and and as an aside, we're going to discuss a lot more in depth this point of good, evil versus truth and false when we discuss morality. So everything for now is going to be just um, a little bit of the shorthand version. I think it's enough for now what we're going to discuss, but if you want to get the better version we're going to discuss it another time about when we talk about morality. But this for now will suffice. So for good, we have really three potential definitions. Number one is desirable. When a person says this is good, he could mean that it's desirable. I personally think this is the definition and certainly what people use it, not necessarily people use it, but I think this is the definition. But leaving aside that, particular point for now, there are three possibilities. Possibly number one is desirable. When I say this ice cream is good, I mean it's desirable. The second possible, as we'll see in a second, adds a contrast to the second possibility, which is beneficial. Eating ice cream is not beneficial to me, but it's desirable. Eating vegetables is beneficial, but it might not be desirable. Those two things are very, very different things. So definition number one is desirable. Definition number two is beneficial. The third definition is, is that it's the right thing, the moral thing. Again, we have to hold off to discuss what that Means and really the the crux of difference between all these three things but for now that's the definitions of good so we have desirable beneficial and the right thing it's in the way that Svarim say it is toiv, moil and arev arev being uh, desirable toiv being the right thing and moil being beneficial now so evil is obviously the opposite of good so what are what's our definition for evil we're gonna have three possibilities of what a person could mean when he says something is evil so number one, possibly number one is that it's undesirable. Possibility number two is that it's not beneficial, which we'll call harmful. And possibly number three, that it's wrong. So when, when a person says that there's evil in the world, so it could either be one of these three things. There are things in the world that are undesirable by whoever. There are things in the world that are not beneficial For whom we'll have to see, and there are things in the world that are simply this is the wrong thing. Now let's take one thing at a time, starting with the wrong thing. The wrong thing we will have to take my word for for now, because again, this is really the discussion about this is really in a place of morality, morality without Torah, without God, and what God does with morality. But for now, we have to well, we have to take my word for this that the wrong thing you cannot possibly say. That what God does is the wrong thing. By definition, if God decides to do something, then it's by definition the right thing. Again, I'm not coming to prove it now. We'll, we'll discuss it another time. But for now, we're we're going to leave aside the wrong thing. We'll have that discussion. But for now, we're t- we're taking it out because I I personally also don't think most people mean the wrong thing. And I don't think people have a definition of what that would mean. Anyways, what that what makes it wrong and what defines right and wrong. But again, leaving all that aside. So it can't be the wrong thing if God tells you to do If God If God decides something, that something should happen to you, by definition it can't be the wrong thing. Again, we'll have to leave that aside and take my word for now. Let, I wanna focus on the two other ones, which is to me the main ones that people use. Number one is undesirable, and number two, is harmful. So when somebody says that God does quote unquote evil, usually what he means is either he does undesirable things or harmful things, things that are not beneficial. So let's discuss one thing at a time. Let's talk about undesirable and harmful. Let's first talk about harmful, things that are not beneficial. Does God do things that are harmful, that i.e. that are not beneficial for us? So the shorthand is God does not do things that are harmful for us. God doesn't do things that are harmful because they don't accomplish anything. There's no purpose, no meaning for that, for those things, harmful things. Certainly nothing more than non-existence. Non-existence was the status quo. God created us for existence. If he wanted non-existence, he didn't have to create us. He didn't need a reason for that. But he obviously created us for a reason, a purpose, and harmful things don't have a purpose. So let's talk about that in a little bit more depth. Why is it that Hashem cannot do harmful things? So firstly, at a very superficial level, let's realize that if we look at all harmful things that people do, let's say you have person A doing something harmful to person B, pretty much every single time you will be able to detect some self-serving motivation, some selfish motivation on the person of the uh, on the on the part of the person who is perpetrating the act. The reason why people do harmful things to other people is because they benefit them. You think of any harmful thing that we or other people do to, to other people. You even think about the worst possible things, torture and molestation and this and rape and all these things, the worst things. Every single thing have a, has a selfish motive involved. You even think of torture. Now, okay, torture for the sake of a country might be a little bit different, so we're gonna leave that aside. Now, that's another aspect of evil. That's more in the wrong discussion, but let's talk about, interpersonal things, let's say, most of these things, I get all of these things pretty much, will have some selfish motive. I want to know something. You don't let me know it, so I'm going to hurt you because I want to know it. If a person rapes, obviously that's for a selfish motivation. Any time a person hurts somebody else, you will always be able to trace some sort of selfish, self-serving purpose, a motivation that the the person is gaining by hurting somebody else. He's gaining at the expense of something else. And you think about that in any terms of any interpersonal relationships where one person harms the other, it will always be related back to, because the person who's harming is doing this for something to gain. Selfishly, self-motivating, self-serving motivations, he's doing it for something that he can gain at the expense of somebody else. When we talk about Hashem, Hashem is not selfish. Hashem does not have act with selfishness and Hashem has nothing to gain as we already explained. So therefore on its surface, it makes no sense why he would do anything harmful. What would be the purpose of doing something harmful? Again, all harmful actions that you hurt somebody else, meaning an action that's not for the benefit of the other person, rather it's for my benefit. We already explained Hashem cannot benefit from anything else. So then once Hashem cannot benefit from everything else, that takes away all possibilities that Hashem would do something harmful for his benefit. That's impossible. So if that's the case, the only thing less is for somebody to argue the following. And he would say, just because all the harmful things we do are selfish, doesn't make it inherently a selfish thing. Meaning to say, maybe Hashem does things that are harmful but not for selfish motives. In other words, we do things for selfish motives, but uh, we do harmful things for selfish motives, but maybe Hashem, who doesn't have selfish motives, that's true, and doesn't do things to gain or benefit anything, can still possibly do harmful things to other people. Okay, that's the only way you could hear such an argument, that again, our harmful things we do, our things that we do to hurt other people are always for something that we gain. Since Hashem doesn't gain, There can't be that reason. Hashem cannot do something quote-unquote harmful to somebody else because there's nothing to gain by it. Therefore, the only thing you could argue is that he does something purposely harmful, damaging to somebody else for no gain for himself whatsoever. Well, if that's the case, the question would be, what do these harmful things accomplish? What does it accomplish to, let's say, create human beings and have them suffer and have them die? So the answer is obviously nothing. Now, Hashem, we said already, Hashem does things either for himself, for nobody, i.e. for no reason, or for our sake. So, simply put, Hashem doesn't do things for himself, that we know. To say hurting us would benefit him in some way is impossible. So, again, it can't be for himself. Now, to say it makes no sense to do it, also makes no sense. There's no purpose for hurting it, that, that simply makes no sense. Besides the fact that there's always a purpose, even people who just like seeing other people in pain, people who are not normal... But there is a purpose for that also. But for Hashem to say that there's no purpose for it makes no sense. Now to say that the damaging thing is for our sake also makes no sense because what did it accomplish in the end of the day? See, the real issue over here is that Hashem only does meaningful things, i.e. true actions, not false actions. Now true and false, we have to, again, that's another, this part of the discussion of the morality. But for now, we'll, we'll say it's meaningful actions. That Hashem only does things with meaning and with value. Anything harmful has no value Means the person existed, he suffered, and now he doesn't exist. Now let's assume he doesn't exist because Hashem doesn't want to give him olam haba because He just wants to torture him. What did that all that accomplish? The answer is it does, it it accomplish nothing. What was gained by anybody by, by having such a mode of existence versus not having it? And again, the status quo is non-existence. There needs to be a reason or a purpose for creating the world or creating this certain person. So to say that Hashem created this person just to torture him and to make him suffer and then, and then he dies, that wouldn't accomplish anything for anybody. It doesn't accomplish anything for Hashem, as we said. There's, you can't say it's no reason and it doesn't accomplish anything for the person himself because there's nothing meaningful or valuable that, w- that lasts out of it. He existed, he suffered, he died. Now what? Nothing. Nothing came out of that. So therefore, it's to it's impossible to say that Hashem does all these things just for the sake of randomly hurting people for no reason. Again, he gains nothing. And if it's not for the purpose of accomplishing something, then it means it's for no purpose, which is also impossible. Therefore, it has to be for a purpose. Now, having human beings live and randomly hurting them for their whole life, and then having them die, is not for a purpose. Doesn't accomplish anything for anybody. It didn't do anything more than non-existence. It simply allowed a person to live for a certain amount of time. He suffered, now he's dead, finished. His existence is done. What did that accomplish versus non-existence? Again, I'll say it again. Existence needs a reason, a purpose, something that it accomplishes rather than non-existence. Non-existence is a status quo. There's no, you don't need a reason or a purpose for non-existence. You do need a reason or a purpose for creating the world or creating a certain human being. And therefore, if there is nothing beneficial, to that person, that means to say there's nothing valuable, nothing meaningful. There was no purpose for that person. That means you would say that Hashem created the world or this individual for no purpose. That's impossible. Therefore, we have to conclude that everything Hashem does is beneficial for us. Because once we say it's beneficial for us, let's say creating the world or creating an individual is beneficial for the world or beneficial for that individual, that actually did accomplish something. It accomplished something for the person. We could discuss what it accomplished, giving him existence and so on and so forth. But what it did, it did actually have an objective purpose, which is that, again, whatever the objective purpose is. But it had a purpose. Simply hurting somebody and then torturing him has no purpose unless, in the broader sense, it is there for his benefit. But basically the point is that to say that Hashem does things or created the world, or created an individual, or even does things for just to hurt somebody, you can't say that because that has no purpose, doesn't accomplish anything. Therefore, we have to conclude, the only thing logically to conclude, and all the say this point, that everything Hashem does is beneficial for us. Because Hashem does nothing for Himself, and does nothing for no reason, therefore the only logical conclusion is that it's beneficial for the recipient, which is exactly what we said by Hashem's quote-unquote motivation of creating the world. Again, we don't use those words by Hashem, but what the creating the world accomplishes is the benefit of mankind, of human beings. That is the only logical conclusion to come. So in short, what we're going to conclude is that Hashem does not do things that are harmful. Everything Hashem does is beneficial for us. Everything Hashem does is for our benefit. Hashem does not do harmful things because that again would imply either Hashem being selfish, which is impossible, or for no purpose, which is ridiculous to assume. So the conclusion we have to make right now is that Hashem only does beneficial things for us. Now, so if that's the case, so we're going to mark these off, these definitions of evil one by one. Again, number one, we said, one definition is wrong. And we're saying, in short, for now, that Hashem doesn't do things that are wrong. Hashem, by definition, what he will do is that it's the right thing for the person. And this has, happens to be, to, to overlap with, with really what we describe, because in short, Hashem will do the right thing for the person will be, by definition, what the purpose was for this person being created. And that, by definition, is that it's his benefit. So we'll, we'll put them all together. That wrong, and harmful, as those two definitions, Hashem does not do wrong or harmful things for the person. Hashem only acts for our benefit, If the, altruistically. If that's the case, then if evil is defined as harmful and certainly wrong as well, then Hashem, no, Hashem does not do evil. So simply, simply put, Hashem does not do evil. There is no, from that perspective, there is no such thing as evil. So again, if those are the definitions of evil, harmful or wrong... Then no, Hashem does not do things that are wrong by definition. And Hashem does not do things that are harmful because he does not, he only acts for our benefit. So we've knocked off two of the possible understandings of evil. Now, what about the third definition of evil? The third definition was undesirable. Now I think, as again, as an aside, I, I think that most people do mean this when they say evil. That when they say there's evil in the world, that bad things happen to people. I do think if you press them, they will mean undesirable. That's what I think, but it could be wrong. I could be wrong on that. That's fine. Now, what is, what, so let's discuss. What does it mean, undesirable? It's very simple. It means something that I don't want, something that you don't want, but let's from my perspective, something that I don't want. I don't think the world should run this way. Or I don't think this should happen to this person. It's undesirable. It's not something that I want. It's not something that I want happen to me. It's not something that I want happen to somebody else. So again, it's either something that I don't want happen to me. I don't like pain. I don't want this. I don't want suffering, or it's something I don't want the world to run this way. I don't like it that children are getting, are are dying, children die. I don't like it that seemingly innocent people die. Now, this definition of evil, undesirable, I I certainly, I have no problem in saying that Hashem does many things that are undesirable. I'll, I'll readily admit, Hashem does many, many things every day to me, even on a daily basis, that are simply undesirable. I have no problem with that. That does not make him cruel, wicked, malevolent, or anything else. That's sim- simply silly to suggest that because Hashem does things that are undesirable to me or to others, that makes him cruel. And I'll say it again, I personally think that this is the area where people have a hard time with. It's, it's simply that Hashem runs the world in a way that's undesirable to them. Whether it's, like we said, wars, famine, or something as small and innocuous as I don't have enough money, wherever it's going to be, I, I have a toothache, whatever it is, these things are un- simply undesirable. And yes, Hashem runs the world in a way that doesn't necessarily conform with your desires. The point to make here is simply that just because something is undesirable, it doesn't mean that Hashem is mean or vindictive for doing it. It's it's a very shallow way of looking at the world that because I decided that this is undesirable to me, or I feel that this is undesirable, therefore I now have something to blame. I blame Hashem for this, or I now say that it can't be God in the world. It's a very, very immature way of viewing things. Why would Hashem not do undesirable things? Should a parent allow their child to eat candy all day and then simply not brush their teeth? What if he says that, I don't want to brush my teeth. It's undesirable to me. Is it is it the job of the parent that whatever is undesirable to a child, you should shield him from it? Don't do anything that's undesirable to the child. It's very undesirable for a child to go to a doctor or sometimes to go to school. Therefore, we shouldn't impose those things on him. How silly can this get? Obviously, we understand that as mature individuals, we have better capabilities to make an objective assessment of what's really better for our kids. Is that we care about our kids so much that no matter what, we'll do what's best for them, even if they don't like it. A parent who's only, who's going to allow his children to decide what he does based on what's desirable to the child, such a parent should be locked up, not allowed anywhere near his kids. It's just simple negligence. How could a person allow a child to just run his life? Now, nowadays we do this, but in in real, in real life, how in the world can a person allow a child that's based on simple desires that he's going to make his decisions? The c- child has no perspective. The child has no broad vision of things. Of course, if I tell the child, you can't do something, and or you have to do something that's undesirable to you. He might get angry. He might throw a temper tantrum. That's just because the kid's immature and lacks understanding of the world, and he lacks a broad vision of the world, lacks perspective. Now, all of this is is relatively very easily understandable. So if it's understandable from this perspective, then it's all the more so when we're talking about Hashem and us. The difference between our understanding, our ability to assess what's right, wrong, good or bad for our kids versus the kid's ability is much smaller in comparison to the difference between the the, the ability of Hashem's assessment, K'viachal, His ability to assess what's right and wrong, good or bad for us, versus our ability. The difference between the kids and us is much, much smaller than the difference between us and Hashem. So if we're willing to say that for us, we will easily, obviously do things that are undesirable to our children because it's beneficial for them, it's the right thing for them, then by Hashem as well, for the same token, at least grant him the same honesty when we're looking at this. Grant him grant him that at least, that he could make an assessment of what's better for us that we can't possibly know. And even though when things bad happen to us, and we throw a temper tantrum, why don't I have my money? Why do I have this toothache? Okay, but taking a perspective, taking a step back, we understand Hashem is doing it for our benefit, just like we as parents do it for the benefit of children or whatever relationship you're in, even though the recipient might not like it at the time. It's undesirable for him. So the same thing with Hashem. So there's no problem. I have zero problem. I don't think anybody should have a problem in understanding that Hashem does undesirable things. So yes, yeah, so if Hashem is doing something undesirable and you're calling that evil, then, okay, fine. I have no problem with that. Then the answer to Epicurus' problem is simply Hashem is willing to do undesirable things. Hashem is able to do it. And Hashem is simply unwilling to not do undesirable things. In other words, he will, he was willing and want, wants to do undesirable things. He doesn't want in a certain sense, but the point is there's no problem to say that he's able to stop undesirable things, but not willing. That doesn't make him malevolent. Doesn't make him wicked. Doesn't make him vindictive. It makes him actually on the, on the, and the opposite it makes him kind that even though we're complaining and even though he gets a bad rap and people complain about him he'll still do things for our benefit even though there are atheists in the world who complain about him still he'll still do the right thing for us according to all definitions the question really either doesn't exist or it's a very simple question again let's go back and start with the question the question was let's 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 quote him again again is quote is God willing to prevent evil but not able if he's willing then he then he is not omnipotent right again if he's willing, and not able, then he's not all-powerful. Is he able but not willing? Then he's malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Then where does evil come from? Is he neither able or, nor willing? Then why call him God? So let's discuss. Again, if evil is being defined as wrong or as harmful, then no, God does not do evil. There is no evil from that perspective to a person. Everything is beneficial for a person, even though it might hurt at the time. That doesn't change the fact that it is beneficial. It's beneficial. It's the right thing for him in the sense that since Hashem created him for a purpose, this is getting him towards that purpose. Therefore, no, in that perspective, evil is doesn't really exist. If the question is undesirable, then again, is God willing to prevent undesirable things, but not able? No, he certainly is able. Is he able to prevent them, but not willing? Yes. Then he's malevolent. Malevolent? No. He's able to stop undesirable things from happening to you. Sure. But he's not willing to, because it's ultimately for your benefit. So that doesn't make him malevolent. That makes him kind. Again, is he both able and willing? And the rest of it falls apart. So that's how you generally deal with these things. Now, I want to illustrate this a little bit more Trying to give us a little bit of emotional understanding about the about these points about the perspective that we should take with with Hashem and evil. Let's talk about a muscle. Imagine you see a man, and all you see is the following: a man cutting off a limb from somebody else. What conclusion would you make about either either the nature of the action or the nature of this person? Let's assume that you can make a conclusion about the nature of this person just based on this one action. So, what would you say? So, I think most of us at first glance would say this is horrible action, and therefore this person is a horrible person. Evil. This person is an evil person. This action is a evil action. Now, what would make this act an evil act as opposed to your, you conclude that it was evil as opposed to good? Why would you assume that it's evil? So the reason why you assume that it's evil is, and I'll show you this in a second, is because you assumed based on the information you have, that this was a selfish action, that he's doing this to hurt for some personal gain. How do I know this? Because if I told you, let's say I told you that really this person is has a a limb that's sick, it's infected, and if it's not amputated, he's going to die. And this person cutting off the limb is a doctor trying to save his life, or just a random person saving his life. So now what? So now you completely change the perspective and you understand, you would say for sure this is a good act. So you went from thinking this action is is the worst of the worst action, a totally evil action. And all I did is change one small thing, piece of information I gave you. And now you think it's pro- and now it's the best of all the best. He's saving his life. He's maybe the only one willing to save his life. What's the difference? So from one perspective, the answer is if he's doing it for the benefit of the other person, then that'll make it a good action. If he's doing it for his own benefit, then that'll make it evil. Again, this is only only in general because there's another type of evil out there, which is a different discussion. But just on one level, what we're probably thinking about is that it's an evil action because he's doing it for his benefit. He wants to torture him. He just wants to hurt him for whatever reason. He has something to gain by doing this whatever the assumptions we made of the reasons why he's doing it, but if I change the motivation and I say, no, he's not doing it, the person who's cutting off, he's not doing it for himself, rather he's doing it for the benefit of the recipient, i.e. over here, the one who's having his limb cut off, then we understand right away that once it's for his benefit, the action becomes a good action and the person becomes a good person. So all we had to change was motivation or who was benefiting. If the person whose limb is being cut off is benefiting, then the action is a perfectly good action and we have no problems. The opposite is true, we commend such actions. But if the person who is doing the cutting is benefiting, i.e. he's selfishly benefiting, he's motivated selfishly, he's doing from self-serving purpose, then that's an evil action. Now, when we talk about Hashem, obviously, as we said many times, Hashem does not do things that are self-serving. Hashem doesn't act out of selfishness. Hashem has nothing to gain by benefiting. There's nothing to benefit, excuse me. There's nothing, yeah, well, nothing to gain by benefit because there's nothing to benefit. Hashem only does things for our benefit. He cannot do something selfish. So if that's the case, then every single time that we see an action in the world, done, and we're relating it back to God, there's another part of this discussion, which is man-to-man actions, which that's another topic for Bechira especially, talk about that, but let's say, let's even, leaving that aside for now, let's say, everything that happens in the world is purely from Hashem, and so Natural disasters, human made disasters, no distinction right now. Let's assume that for now. So anytime you see something bad happening, so the perspective is that God is the doctor over here in our muscle. He's not doing it for the benefit of himself. He can't. He's doing it for the benefit of the recipient. Yes, it seems harsh. It also seems harsh that a person that has his limb cut off, but we understand that it is accomplishing something and it's for his benefit. Maybe we don't, might not know how, but we'll take the doctor's word for it. So let's take, let's, let's give Hashem that the benefit of the doubt as well. We understand Hashem is doing it for our benefit, fine. Take, let's take His word for it. He's saying that He's doing it for our benefit. We know that there's no other possibility by Him. So when we see something bad in the world, let's have that perspective, that really Hashem is doing it for the benefit of the recipient, and therefore it's good, and actually not bad. In our world, because of our limited vision, which is on the next point, but in our world, all we see is a man cutting off a limb. And we make the, the ju- judgment and the conclusion that what's happening is an evil action. We see bad things happening to people, quote-unquote innocent people. Then that's how we see it, first of all. We see a man cutting off a limb of another person. But simple logic says that I should know that Hashem is only doing this for my benefit. Again, it's difficult because sometimes the pain is inflicted on us, sometimes it's inflicted on a loved one, and sometimes it, it's inflicted on people who within our assessment are innocent and therefore we think it's undeserving, and that itself hurts us to hear that there's no just justice in the world, but... That doesn't change the fact that the the logic dictates that whatever Hashem does is for a benefit. And therefore, all we have to do is change the perspective. Just simply change one thing, just like we changed in the doctor's story. We told I told you that he was a doctor, and now you know that what he's doing is actually a a tremendously good action. Same thing with Hashem. The the second problem that we have is a lack of vision, lack of perspective. We don't have a broad vision. So let's discuss this point. How how can we possibly make an assessment, whether something is good for the person or not, when we are quite literally missing an entire portion of reality. And not just a small portion, actually a major portion of reality. So let's go back to our muscle for one second and we're gonna bring this back to our point over here. If I were to expand your viewpoint in that scenario, right? So I gave you a person who's cutting off another person's limb. And all I showed, all I told you was that, all, of, all you were able to see was that, So again, you might come to the conclusion, most of us would probably come to the conclusion, especially if the person is screaming in pain, saying, please stop, stop. You could come to the conclusion that the person cutting is a horrible person and this is an evil action. Yet, let's say I were to tell you, let's broaden your perspective for a second. I give you more pieces to this puzzle and I would show you that really this person who's, cutting is wearing a doctor's uniform. He, the person who's being, limb is cutting off is on a table that they, those those chair or the table, whatever that that they use in the hospital. And there's a gallery behind everybody because there are are people watching the surgery, how it's being done. So I just gave you entire new perspective of what's going on, entire new reality of much more to the picture of what's happening. And then right away, again, your perspective should change and you understand that even though he's screaming, no, 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 you understand this is going to save his life. Now we, from our vantage point, and certainly the belief in the Jewish belief is that si- there's another world out there. There's an Olam Haba. Not is another world, but even in this world, there are many, many other things to put into the picture. We don't even know anything. We know what's in front of us right now and a little bit about our lifetime and a little bit about history. But we certainly don't see all of history and we certainly don't see Olam Haba. So let's even simply just talk about Olam Haba for a second. The Rabbeinu Tam gives a- an analogy about Olam Haba, that he says if a person is living in a cave and he's living in his cave his whole life he knows nothing outside the cave and all of a sudden he st- sticks his head out of the cave and gets out and sees the entire world so obviously there's a little he, he just introduced himself to entirely new reality and everything he thought was true about reality was actually not so says Rabbeinu Tam that's a similar thing by Olam Haba now that means that we're missing 95% of the picture as kipchuto 95% of, what, of, of the entire picture we're missing so I just gave in our scenario I gave you a, more, more, more pieces that we're missing. Imagine you're missing not only that, but much, 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 much more entirely, an entire amount of what you're missing. Then obviously you're not in, you don't have the right tools to make an assessment. So let's say I give you a, I give you a di- different mushroom. A person, let's say they're, they're filming a movie and I bring in a person who has no clue what a movie is. So he's watching these actors on stage And the actor is getting killed, he's getting tortured, because that's part of the movie. Now this person who's watching it, again, like he doesn't realize it's a movie, and he sees the actor getting killed, he sees the blood splitting out of him, he sees the sword going into him, whatever it is. is, What's his conclusion? So his conclusion is going to be, this is horrible, this is terrible. How is everybody standing around doing nothing? How could this person do such an evil action? How could all these people do such evil things, just let such brutality go? Unstopped by anybody else. Person is literally killing him and torturing him in front of everybody. Nobody's doing anything. And how could this person do this action? How could he just torture somebody for no apparent reason? That's all he sees. Then I tell him, one second, you're missing, you're completely missing the point. The actor does this for five minutes. This is a, this is only a show. He does this for five minutes. And because of this scene, he makes millions of dollars because of the whole movie, the scene, whatever it is. And I was a comfortable life for the next 50 years. He just made millions of dollars from this scene. So you're only watching what, you, what you're able to see from your perspective. That's all you are watching. You don't see the actor's whole life. You don't see what's going to happen with this money that he's going to make. You have a completely distorted vision, perspective of what's happening. You're seeing something completely wrong. You're completely missing the reality of the situation. Well, this is exactly the same thing for Olam Haba we are missing, again, more than 95% of the entire context, whether it's alam haba and even in this world. And this world, we see only the outside part of it. It's like an act, in a certain sense, this world. We see one small part of it. We don't see what happens when the actor goes home. We don't see what's going to happen. We don't see that, we don't see anything. Imagine a similar type of thing, if I were to tell, and, and just to add a little bit, if I were to tell you that a person comes from another world, and he, he sees everybody has... Clothing on and coats, so he thinks that the clothing is part of the person, just like we think, you know, we understand that a goof, the 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 arm is a part of the goof. So this person who has no experience thinks that the clothing, the the piece of the coat, whatever it is, is part of the person as well, because he only sees people with coats. And then all of a sudden, he sees one person take off his coat. He doesn't, he, and he's he's shocked. He doesn't know what's going on. How can you take off a coat? And, he, and then he, he gives it to this other person, this lady, let's say, and she takes it and she. Puts it, she, she, puts all these things on it. It looks like it's going to ruin it. She puts it in the water and it's like in a drown, right? Because the body drowns. The person just, so the person doesn't understand, doesn't understand this distinction between the person and the coat. So he puts it in the water, puts all this, this weird stuff on it. was soap, obviously, but he puts it in this thing that goes tumbling and tumbling around. And however else you dry, this person literally thinks that the coat is being destroyed. And he, in his mind, because the coat and the, and the person are inseparable, because he always thinks the coats are part of the person, part of the person's body, he thinks that this person person's getting killed in reality it's actually not true in reality, we know code is not part of the person and in reality, even though it's it's quote unquote difficult for this coat to go through this we're putting this coat through a traumatic experience by putting in the laundry in the washing machine but we understand how it's cleansing the coat and even though it's painful for the coat, but it's doing a lot of good things for the coat now our perspective is the same thing when we see People being brutal and people's bodies being killed, people's bodies being maimed and tortured. You're simply looking at a coat that's being cleaned. It's, besides this cl- cleanliness factor, we understand that the goof and the neshama, clothing to the goof has the same relationship as a goof to the neshama. So when a person takes off his goof, he hasn't lost himself. He hasn't, he's not dead. He hasn't, he, he's going to live in a different place. That's not him. So all that's happening is something's happening to the outer shell. Yes, there's a little bit more pain involved because we are so attached to our body so we feel a little more pain. Fine, there's an aspect of pain, but we could get past that. The point is we're missing so much. Our perspective is so distorted because we think the coat and the person are the same. We think the body and the Nesham are the same. And therefore the body, when something happens to the body, we we get sad because, oh, wow, unfortunately, that was horrible. And again, I'm not diminishing suffering. It's not the point. The point is the perspective the perspective is that all that's happening is that his coat is being washed. And of course, we understand that Yisurin, our Marik, Yesurin cleanses us of sins. That's our, that's what the, that's what our Jewish tradition tells us. But again, even besides that point for now, it's just simply to recognize that we're missing so much because we see a world with, with only bodies. So we think a body is intrinsically tied to the person. So we think that when something happens to the body and the body is destroyed, we, we mistakenly think the person is destroyed as well, just like our, Friend or alien from from the coat analogy, but it's simply not true. All that's happening is a person's removing his outer clothing. Something's happening to that. It's getting cleansed. Or whatever's happening, but he's perfectly t- untouched. The Sadiqim who died, al Pikirish uh, Hashem, whatever it is, who are torture, tortured, whatever it is, nothing's happening to them. In fact. Great things are happening to them now because of what happened. So, but that's just a question. Again, the details are whatever they are are for whenever they are. But the point is the perspective. You can't make, possibly make an assessment of whether this is good or bad when we're missing so much. So yes, if, if you have an assumption already that this world is the only thing, then okay. And all you say, all you can see is the reality, then you will come to faulty conclusions. That's true. Then you could come and say, well, this is evil and blah, blah, blah. But nobody told you to have that perspective. The perspective we're suggesting is that you're missing much of what needs to be understood, much that needs to be seen, not at least 95% of the whole situation. Again, in, in taking a very s- small situation about a person cutting off a limb, we see that number one, telling him that it was for his benefit. And number two, showing him more of the vision of the perspective of what's going on in this situation, that it's in a hospital and so on and so forth, changes our perspective completely. So why wouldn't we say the same thing for God? We know he does nothing of, for his own benefit. Everything is for the benefit of the recipient. And there's a 95% of the reality we're missing. We're missing the entire story of Olam Haba and the entire story of Olam Haza besides for what we see and what we know. But Hashem has a little bit more vision about Olam Haza and certainly about Olam, H- he is certainly more, more about both, that Olam Hazza and Olam Haba, that we don't have. So why don't we give him the benefit of the doubt and not make our own assessment that this is quote-unquote evil, undesirable or whatever it is. And we'll say, okay, Hashem is the one. Hashem benefits us. And Hashem has the K-Kiviyachl has the perspective. He knows what's right and what's not right for us. He knows based on many, many more things that we don't know. And we shouldn't be so bold as to make assessments of the situation when, it, when again, we're missing, we're not even, we're not even keeping into account that Hashem is ultimate benefactor. And number two, that we're missing 95% of the situation. And the last point really is, is really what we just really mentioned is, is simply have some humility. That just because you think, think something is good or evil, it doesn't mean that it is so. People tend to think that whatever they want and their morals are, are so correct, And everything else doesn't fit into that into that sense of morality is just wrong. But that's simply not true. You should come off, a person should come off his high horse and not think that he knows everything. Have a little humility, have a a perspective that you are just born now and the Karish Barakul has been around forever. Karish Barakul created the world. He knows the world much better than you. So we have to take a step back. And yes, sometimes things are difficult for us, but that comes from emotional reaction, not from an objective perspective on the situation. So we'll take a step back and we realize that number one, I don't know anything else. I don't know good, bad, right, wrong. I don't know if this is the right thing for me or not. How am I supposed to know? I don't know my purpose. I don't really understand my place in this creation. I don't understand Olam Haba. I don't understand all of these things. don't understand why these things are happening. But I do understand that Hashem is the ultimate benefactor. Cannot act for His own interests. I do understand that I'm missing a ton, 95% of the reality, and that adding one or two things, just simply one or two things, could change the entire picture, and I'll understand that I'm a little, and I should have a little bit of humility, I understand that Hashem knows just a little bit more about things than me. So with all these perspectives, the, the question, we see that the question of Hashem and evil sort of just goes away. There is no question in that sense. Again, if evil is wrong, coming back to, to bring it full circle, if evil is wrong, then it's not true, not possible. If evil is harmful, Hashem only thinks, does things for benefit. To benefit us. And if evil is undesirable, which, again, like I think it is, but if evil is undesirable, then it's not not a question to ask. Hashem simply does do undesirable things for us, but that doesn't make him vindictive or malevolent at all. Again, in the opposite sense, it makes him kindness. It makes him kind. So this is the perspective about Hashem and evil in the world. Exclusive content on Patreon. You can submit your question and get them answered only for members on Patreon. Don't forget to check out our own website, msofterra.com And remember, we are wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Subscribe to know when the next episode is being released. The podcast is produced by Ellie Podcast Productions.